we went from doing like, you know, 10K in sales, 20K in sales in two months, so 10K a month, to probably doing like 65K in sales in the next two months. So really that's what it took was like that one copy angle. And I remember we found that because there was like a news article that came out and we were like, oh man, maybe we could like kind of like newsjack this and create an ad that's based around this event that just happened and tie it into this offer. And it worked extremely well. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with Bryce from Major Impact Media. He has a ton of experience selling high-ticket products, courses, running paid ads, absolutely destroying and scaling uh, in the online space. So, Bryce, really excited to have you on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. All good. Well, before we jump into like anything tactical, I do want to go deep. Maybe you know, give us a rundown, a little bit of your story what you've been doing, what you're doing right now, all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. So I got started online back in like 2012, 2013. Like back then we were ranking local websites. That's kind of how I got started working with local businesses. Over a couple of years, I ended up, find, ended up finding digital creators, people selling courses and, and all of that stuff. So really got into that. And that's really where I've spent most of my time the last like mm-hmm. seven, eight years is working yeah. with people selling courses and and that's evolved really into like high ticket programs. So I'd say most of the people we're working with these days are selling high ticket. And so, yeah, I've been really focused on all those things. I ran an ad agency for years where like we just got clients and we helped them sell online courses through paid ads. And then over the last year or so, I've kind of moved into like now we're just doing more like a few partnership deals where we're partnering cool. with people who have yeah. expertise and kind of bringing in the team to set up the marketing. So done a lot of things in different ways in this space. And it's a super cool space. I love being in it. So it's exciting. Yeah, man. And right now, kind of obviously share whatever you can, but with these partnerships, what kind of like niches, what kind of like price points uh, you know, are crushing it for you at the moment? Yeah. I mean, I always just like working with people. It's like make money offers, you know? So whether it's like business improvement, make money online, biz op, whatever it is, I've always just really gravitated towards like helping people make more money because it's something that I'm really interested in. And then I would say most of the people that we're selling products for are either selling anywhere from like three to $7,000 offers on the back end. We've got one 10K offer that we're selling on the back end. So We've got a few different ways that we get people into those offers, but usually the high ticket stuff's anywhere from like three to 10K. Love it. Love it, man. Well, well, let's dive in. We have similar kind of like price points where a lot of our funnels and clients are in that kind of three to 7K range. What kind of funnel structures are you using? Kind of what does a process look like from, you know, paid ad to, you know, customer? For sure. So there's really two funnels that we run. Like it really breaks down to one or the other. So the first one is just like a VSL to phone call. So really simple. It's like three pages. We run a video sales letter. So send people to a landing page, they opt in, we show them a VSL video sales letter, and then we capture their email and we follow up with them until we get them on a call. And so that funnel is probably like the simplest one we've started with. It works extremely well. And we've able to do, I mean, we've done millions of dollars in sales using simple VSL funnels. So that's probably the main one. And then the one that we've been doing a lot more of this year that we're really trying to crack is like the low ticket offer ascension model. 
where we're selling someone some type of low ticket product somewhere between like $27 to $47, trying to get someone in on like that. That low ticket item, make it easy to say yes, and then ascending them into the high ticket model, which is really cool and really sexy when you get it to work. But I find that it's a lot more challenging to get those types of funnels to convert. And so that, between everything we're doing, it all falls into one of those two funnels. If not, you know, we've got one project where we're just running both, you know. Cool, cool. So let me just dive in to the first funnel where it's like a VSL to, to a call. Are you going ad like opt-in page where, where people do name and email and then the VSL and then you call them based on that, but they also can book a call based on that VSL? Is that right? Yes. So we have them opt in, we get their information mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. we follow up with them through SMS and email once they opt mm-hmm. in. And then our biggest goal is to like get them to consume that video sales letter. So whatever that video is that we have, we just keep trying to get people to go back to that. And then from there, right on that page, they can go and book a call with us. Love it. Love it. Okay, cool. Well, well I, I want to dive into like the end sales process and, and how to close this, but let's maybe take a step back. If someone is thinking of, you know, like a make money online offer, whether it's helping a business grow, whether it's helping someone, you know, start a business and, and make extra income. In terms of the process, if someone has a skill or an idea or an experience before we start the funnel, before we start kind of any ads, in terms of like offer creation, you know, positioning, all that stuff, what's the very first thing you do if you were to launch, you know, like a high ticket product and funnel from scratch? Yeah. So, I mean, I really think the biggest thing is figuring out like, yeah, dialing in the offer and like, what is the dream outcome that we're going to sell to the right person? Because that in itself right there sounds really simple, but like nailing down those two things really tells you a lot about how an offer is going to go and um, how you're going to be able to like position it correctly. So just an example, right? Like we've had offers that are around helping people start like accounting firms, you know, and helping people get into like accounting and tax practices. It's a cool little niche. But like how you position exactly what you're selling and also who you're positioning that to, depending on the five or six different people who could be really interested in that offer will really make a difference on like everything that happens after that point. And so that's one of the things that we kind of have it have ended up playing with and also try to figure out how to test really quickly just by like running some simple ads and landing pages to testing like different avatars with different ads to figure out what's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And on that, like, I guess, target market, almost like decision-making, could you give some examples of maybe, you know, topic ideas like the accounting law firm or starting XYZ business and maybe, you know, an example of how you niched it down or, or why you niched it down to that kind of audience message because i feel like you know when when people come to us and when i work on stuff this is almost like you know the 80 20 where if you crack this and you do it right everything else kind of happens a lot easier but getting this right is so important so i'm curious kind of how you think about which audience to go after the message and also you know one or two examples of that you know when you cracked it you know yeah for sure so i Mm. think a big part of that is you have to rely on like the person's expertise that you're working with and like their knowledge of a market because if you're you know you and me were marketers so we like come into it doing a bunch of research and try to figure out what we think could be the best thing Uh, but we're not always sure if we're right you know like we're making assumptions and you know before going to market you might not know anything about it so relying on that person's expertise to figure out who we need to be talking to is is definitely a really big one there and then also doing some little tests because you can also figure out really well like you know, once you start having phone calls with people or you're talking with people in, in DMs and all of that stuff, like you quickly learn a lot about who these people are and what's going on with them and and all of that stuff. So like definitely 
you know, not trying to figure all of this out in like a brainstorming session, but figuring out how you can kind of like quickly test these things and get some feedback from the market is really valuable. But one example would be like, again, going back to this like accounting firm offer, we had like three or four different avatars that we kind of defined as like people who could be really good fits for this. The most common one would be like an accountant, you know, someone who has an accounting degree and has done some accounting and a kind of one level higher than that would be like a CPA. So like a certified public accountant who has like a, who's actually like certified by the state to do this. Another one would be bookkeepers. Bookkeepers are like a a really good fit for this type of offer as well. They fit the profile of someone that could deliver these services and would want to start this kind of business. And then another one would be like people who already had this type of firm um, and they were just looking for like support with it. So those are like three people that we were talking about going into. And then like through experience and doing some tests, what we figured out was the people who had firms already weren't like super responsive to our messaging as much as we wanted them to be because they're just were a lot less of them and they weren't particularly looking for the kind of support that we were giving out. Bookkeepers responded like crazy, but they were really hard to sell because they just didn't have really like the disposable income that we were looking for to charge for this. And then people who were like accountants already ended up being the best fit. And so it's not that we don't have ads targeting all these people, but like the ones that have always done best were the ones going after accounts. And that's who we really primarily try to target with most of our messaging and our advertising. Yeah, that's super smart. And and when you go to test these these kind of like messaging idea hooks, whatever you call it, um, have you already built the product? Or because a few times we've like, well, we're doing this now, we, we've kind of done it before we even have a product ready to try and pre-sell it, right? Because, you know, to try and figure it out, so I'm curious, do, do you already have the offer and, and then you test ads and then you kind of sell it and figure it out or do you try and pre-sell it? Um, what does this testing kind of strategy look like? Yeah. So in that example, that was actually a company that came to us and they already had everything already set up. So we were like trying to figure out how to get them to make ads work because they had come to us and they like, they had a lot of traction. They were doing really well organically with their business. They just had never been able to make ads work. And so like this was the process we went through with them to figure that out. And what it looked like was we had different ads and we had different landing pages, all basically running to a similar type of VSL. So like each landing page and ad was catered towards that avatar. And then we ran different campaigns targeting the different people. When we have done it, one thing we have started doing with some of... um, We just did like a low ticket offer funnel and we pre-sold that. So we just built out the whole landing page and then said like, hey, this is going to be available at this date, pre-order now. Um, and we were trying to get an idea of like, what what were the conversion rates going to look like? And were we going to get enough traction with this type of funnel that we would be able to launch this thing and make it work? And we were just very transparent that this was a pre-sale and these, you know, the product was going to be available at a future date. And with that one, we ended up getting enough traction that we were able to like launch it and take it from there. But really what we were looking for was the assumption of like, if this gets close to profitable and a pre-sale without any optimization, we're probably heading in the right direction. If this bombs, we probably shouldn't do this and we would just mm-hmm. refund whoever you know, cool. bought and we decided not to go that way. Yeah, I love it. And one thing I'd, I'd love you know, your thoughts on is maybe there's some people out there who don't think they can sell a course like three, you know, three to seven K, maybe even 10 K high ticket. So obviously not every course can be sold high ticket. It depends on the market and a lot of factors. But how do you think about pricing and kind of, you know, bumping up that value stack and the value of the product to be able to justify, you know, this high ticket price point for people? I mean, again, one of the reasons I like working with like business related, make money related offers is because it's really easy to justify. You know, it's like, hey, you know, we'll we'll make we can make you so much money. We've done this for other people. Now like, you know, here's what it costs to work with us. We can easily justify like 
give us money and we'll give you more money. I've definitely seen, I had a buddy of mine who did like movement mobility stuff. He had a 10K offer too. So I think that's really on the high end. I would definitely say most of the stuff that I've seen in like, that's not in like the business make money related space are usually like 3K, maybe 5K if they're really pushing it. Um, so there are high ticket offers out there in those different spaces. But yeah, definitely like the market's going to have a, a big a big say in it. And then also like what you're selling. But a lot of the offers that we've ran, it's like, we usually start at, you know, what is like a reasonable price that we could get in the market. So like three or 5K. And then a lot of times we've bumped it up over time. So it's like, as we get more case studies, more results, we add more to the program, you know, like these things kind of naturally evolve and grow, you know, like people need more support. So you hire a coach. Now you're going to coach in there. So they've got a, a personal coach on the back end. So it's like, it really becomes easy to justify those pricing. And then if we raise the price like every 12 or 18 months and then do a big sale like that, you know, a lot of people want to get in at the lower pricing. So it just kind of becomes a thing that can evolve itself. Definitely. After like shipping all these offers, especially in the biz op space, what commonalities do you see between like, you know, campaigns and products that like absolutely crush and ones that, that flop? Like, like have you seen any patterns or, or commonalities? Yeah. So I would say the one caveat with this is like, my insight is only my own insight because, uh, and, and most of what we're doing is working with like lesser known brands and, and Mm -hmm. people that don't have big followings. So Mm -hmm. I think there's definitely a part to where like, if you have a big enough brand, you can kind of justify selling anything (laughs) if you've got people that are already buy it. But for what we've done, a lot of it's really finding stuff that's like newly presented ideas, new opportunities and things that are attached to like, kind of like a a superstructure idea, right? So there was a time when Facebook ads were really hot and no one had those and and it was a really unique thing. And so like a Facebook ad offer would do insanely well. I think if you tried to do a Facebook ad offer today and your only pitch was like, hey, I'll teach you how to run Facebook ads, probably wouldn't do as well unless you had a brand or some kind of organic following or something like that. But just starting to run paid ads to like, hey, let me teach you how to run Facebook ads. I think it would be a tougher sell these days. (laughs) But the offers that are doing really well right now are like a lot of AI related offers, right? So it's like, that's kind of the big idea that's already floating out there in the market. And then people Mm -hmm. are just attaching themselves to these ideas. Um, And so... Definitely like finding you new and unique ways to approach something or a different way to approach something and attaching it onto something that is already very desirable in the market seems to be what works really well for a lot of these offers. And, and one thing I, I'm sure we can probably jam on this and, and go deep, but if you know if someone wants to sell a course on maybe something that's a little bit more saturated or you know a little bit more generic, let's say someone has a really successful Amazon store and they do Amazon in a certain way and they want to launch a course pe- you know teaching people how to do it or you know maybe it's like a, a course on how to become like a freelance tradie you know t- t- tradesperson whatever you call it in um over there tradesperson tradie yeah like a tradesman tra- a tradesman trades uh, yeah yeah, yeah handyman yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, okay whatever tra- right that, that, you, one, you know. that one that one sounds right handyman <laughs> there you go there you go yeah from from the last south park episode that's how i uh how i remembered that anyway so if I'm going in and maybe it's not something new and shiny like AI or freaking, you know, crypto or, or whatever it is, how can I still, you know, make it seem different and new and, and fresh? Because like, yeah, when, when people come to us, it's like, oh, I'll do a course on Amazon. Yeah, but, you know, there's a hundred out there and there's free stuff. How can we kind of make this new and sexy? What's different in the market? What's different about you? So I'm curious kind of how you think about differentiating yourself and creating that that big idea if it's saturated we don't really do anything differently 
Yeah. I think that's a tough one. When I really first got into marketing, I found I used to find that like a really frustrating question because people were like, well, what's different about this? And you're like, it's, it's not really different, but it's good, you know, but I've learned through experience, people don't really care about that, you know, like it, they do want something new and exciting. So, I mean, I definitely think digging around and looking at like doing research on what else is out there and trying to really figure out how you can differentiate yours is really important. I can't tell you how many business owners I've worked with who like had We'll, we'll survey their audience and be like, hey, what would you want to see in order to buy this course? And they'll give us a list of things. And then we go to the, uh, the owner and we're like, hey, this is what your audience wants. And they're like, we actually already have four of those. And I'm like, it's not on your sales page anywhere. You don't talk about it. It's not on your sales script. It's just like little bonuses and things inside the course that someone would find once they got in there, but it's not really talked about. So... A lot of times there are like new and unique things you can kind of figure out if you can talk to people, do some research and stuff like that. So that's been one way to figure like for us to kind of dig around for it. Another thing that I think is really interesting and I, and I I can't say like we've done this, but I've seen other people do and I think it's really smart is like can you find little like sub niches of your audience that people could attract to like on an identity basis. So for example, I have seen a couple of offers do really well that are like a tr- like for dads. You know, so it's mm. like this kind of offer that you've seen for a while, yeah. but this one is specifically for fathers who want to make a living like working from home so they can provide more to their kids. So they're yeah. already like tapping into this community aspect of like <clears throat> no, I'm a dad and I want to help other dads, you know. Yeah. I- totally. I've seen a few like that as well where it's like, you know, business coaching for Christians or, you know, for, for, you know, single. Yeah. Christian ones just do so well. I've seen so many of those lately where it's just like, it's it's the same offer that everybody always has, but this one is for Christians, you know, and like that Mm -hmm. does really well. So we even have a guy, but randomly, we even have a guy that we're working with who has like a dating, dating Mm -hmm. course. And pretty much all the people that he was attracting was like software developers and like coders. So he's almost like changed the messaging to kind of, you know, to them. It's super smart. Yeah. And it's a really tough question. Like that's, it's a hard thing to get right, you know, and you don't have, you're not necessarily going to get it right on the first try, but it is something that's extremely valuable. Cause if there's one thing that I've seen just over and over again, and I almost, you know, I found it frustrating at times where I'm like, man, People just want stuff that's like new and different. That's just how humans are, you know? Like even if you're like, no, no, this is that one thing that worked really well, but this one's better, they don't care. It's just not going to work, you know? Yeah, it, it's just how people are. All right, sweet. So speaking of how people are, people are on social media and they're seeing ads and that's my terrible segue into talking about ads because I know you're a beast on ads, man. Like Facebook, YouTube, and, and you know, you've spent a, a ton over the years. When we have this funnel set up, and I want to go into the VSL in a second, but you know, so there's an opt-in, there's a VSL, I'm saying a high ticket course. How do you launch ads? What ads are kind of working at, you know, at the moment for you? How do you think about you know, ads? What channels? What are you doing? What's working? <laughs> yeah, I would definitely say like Facebook is still where we launch in the start because I've just found that it's like it's easiest to test on Facebook. You know, like if you think about it, Facebook is essentially like an image and some text and YouTube scripts you know, YouTube ads are like videos. So you need someone to script a good ad, to be good on camera, to record stuff. If you have someone who is really good on camera and just cranks out YouTube videos, like that's amazing. But I have found that most people aren't like that. You know, I don't know about your clients, but 
most people we work with don't love getting on camera every day. So what we found is like launching on Facebook works really well because we can test really quickly. And in the beginning, we start out with like image-based ads and we just want to test a bunch of different messages. So like test different cool. angles, test different copy, figure out mm-hmm. what's going to work. And then we'll test, you know, different creatives as well, different images to see like what's going to create the best ad for us. And then that's how we can go off of finding cool based on that, what do we want to make a video around? You know, based on that, what do we want to turn into a reel? Based on because ideally, you know, what we'll have is like one winning message with you know, a short one minute reel, we'll have a, you know, talking head video, we'll have an image, we'll have everything, we'll have everything around that one message. But the fastest way that we found to get there is like, just test a bunch of messages on Facebook. Because, man, we'll go through a lot of ads to find a winner, you know, like, it's not uncommon to test dozens and dozens of ads before we find the one that's like, oh, man, this one really works, you know? And I think a lot of people don't appreciate like how much, <laughs> how much testing you have to do to find the ones that work, you know? Yeah, totally. But there is that, that one ad where it's like, you know, ad number 27 just hits different, you know, the hooks there that makes like everything, you know, everything worth it. And you can run it for like six months, 12 months, yeah. you know? Um, for sure. totally we've got for- ads we've ran for like almost two years and, you know, we make little changes. We change the first sentence. We change some of the, you yeah. know, we kind of change, but mm-hmm. it's the same, it's the mm-hmm. same ad we wrote two years ago, you know, but it took yeah. us three months to find that ad, you know, yeah. and then. Yeah. And when you're testing these, like I'm going to go deep on ads for a second. So when you're testing these ads, number one, are you optimizing for leads or are you optimizing it for calls? And what does the actual test of the setup look like? from an ad account perspective. So are you doing like headline image and body copy all its own ad set for one angle and you're testing 10 of them or? Yeah, so what we'll do is we will test for for the actual setup, like we'll try to change one variable per, per, variable per ad set. So yeah. we've got a testing campaign, we've got one or two of our best audiences in there. And then every time we create a duplicate, it's just like, cool, keep everything that was working, have like three ads, but just change the copy or just change the headline or just change the creative. So it's three ads each time, but we're, you know, we'll run three copy tests, all other things staying the same. That makes sense. So you have three ads in an ad set and the image is the same and the three different copy variations are the same in that ad set. Is that right? So if you want to do a copy, if we want to do a copy test, we'll launch a new ad set. We'll put three Mm -hmm. copies in yep. one ad, like three different copies with all other yep. things the same. So the only thing mm-hmm. that changes is the copy. That's a yes. copy test for us. If we yep. want to test, yep. if we want to test the image, we'd create a duplicate of that. We'd have three ads. All things would yep. stay the same. Copies the same. Headlines yep. the same. Everything's mm-hmm. the same. Three different images. Yep. And so and that's how we'll go through and test the different variables. Got it. And and when you're launching, you're are you starting? like a testing messaging through copy first and then you figure out the best image or kind of what are you launching with on on kind of day one? Yeah, so on day one, depends on the budget we have, but usually if we're mm-hmm. trying not to spend a ton of money on the budget, usually the first thing mm-hmm. we do is just launch with three different ads. And then depending on what's working, it's like, okay, great. Mm-hmm. Now let's go create some image variations based on the copy that worked. And then now let's go create some cool. variations based on that. And we just kind of cool. evolve like iterative testing, right? Mm-hmm. So based yeah. on everything that we're seeing working and the stats that we're seeing. So like, does our click-through rate mm-hmm. suck? Is our click-through rate good? Do our conversions yeah. suck? Are our conversions good? That'll kind of tell us what direction we want to go, try and test the next thing. Yeah, cool. And do you have any examples of maybe campaigns that you remember where, you know, you tested a ton of ads, one, one very, very clearly, and then you're, you're able to scale, like, like scale it? Is it like a real, real life example of, of this playing out? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, we had one client that we started working with that, yeah, usually it's the same story, right? It's like they can never get ads to work. You know, they've tried everything else. Ads mm-hmm. have never worked for them. But usually we find out that it's like no one ever created landing pages. No one really tested copy. No one really tested a bunch of mm-hmm. images and creatives and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I think it was, you know, we usually tell people like, hey, give us 90 days to make this work because it's, you know, that's about what it takes for us to like really figure mm-hmm. out if we're going to be able to make this work or not. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I'm usually really confident we'll like figure it out in 90 days, but I think we were coming up on 90 days and I was like, man, you know, like we were getting some sales, but it wasn't anything super exciting. You know, I think we'd probably spent at that point, like, you know, $10,000 testing and had probably made okay. in sales, like maybe 20,000 bucks, you know, which is like nice, but nothing was like really scaling well. And then we just found mm-hmm. one copy that just took off and we were able to, I think we went from doing like, you know, 10K in sales, 20K in sales in two months, so 10K a month, to probably doing like 65K in sales in the next two months. So really that's what it took was like that one copy angle. And I remember we found that because there was like a news article that came out and we were like, oh man, maybe we could like kind of like newsjack this and create an ad that's based around this event that just happened and tie it into this offer. And it worked in extremely well. What was the ad for? I, I don't remember off the top of my head. But yeah, we, we just found an article that went off and that was it. Nice. How do you think, like, where do you look for, for, for ad angles to test? Because I feel like stepping back, understanding the ad angle game is almost, you know, it, it's like a superpower where like you can take a product, like you said, that people are, oh, you know, ads don't work for this or ads are too expensive. And if you test 10 and you just get one winner, that is enough to, you know, completely you know save your business you know there's been funnels i'm sure it's the same with you where it's like you know if we didn't find this ad we would have been fucked but because we did find it we ended up doing you know insane numbers for a long time so how do you think about you know testing new ads new angles if someone already has a funnel and they want to keep testing and get better and better bro ass yeah, I mean, I think you look for them everywhere. The same way you would do it if you were like looking for hooks, if you're writing social media content. You know, I think a lot of the founders that I've worked with create a lot of content because they're in the information business, you know, so they create a lot of content for LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is. And they don't realize that like ads is kind of like taking that content you want to sprinkle a little more like direct response action on it and then running it as an ad, you know, like you pay to get people to, to, to see it and click on it. And so the same way you would go look for hooks and, you know, what are you going to write this about this week and get people's attention is the same thing you can use for ads. So you can look at, you know, like what else are you seeing in the market? What grabs your attention? I love using, there's some tools you can use that. I don't know if you've used foreplay. Um, it's an app that lets you swipe, man, I just swipe stuff all the time. I mean, I've had a swipe file for years. So now it just helped me like kind of digitize it. Now I've got this nice swipe file. So if we need ad angles, I'll just go start swiping through like, cool, what are all the things that grab my attention? And could we, how do we just take that idea and put it into this offer and see if it works? Yeah. Four place, super smart. Can you like filter by niche? Because there's a few ad spy tools. I've tried using like ad spy big ads buy and they're okay but it's like you know you filter by which ads have been the most viewed and it's like some kind of like you know bollywood ad or something you know what i mean yeah so what i like about foreplay is it's not a tool it's not a tool that indexes ads so they do have like the community library of what have other people saved so you can kind of see that but it's not a tool that's just trying to save all the ads because 
I mean, that's what most of these tools do. They're like spy tools. This one's just like a digital swipe file. So it just lets you, if you see an ad that you like, you just click save, but then you can save them to boards. You can share them with your team. It saves the ad live with the link. So you can always go back and see what was the landing page, even if, you know, because a lot of times if someone takes a page, uh, an ad down, you can't see it anymore. But like you can see what was the link, where were they running it to, all of that stuff. And then you can just save them in folders, you know? So it's like a just a big digital swipe file. Um, but what I like about that, again, it's just like, it's a thing that me and my team have curated over time of like, what are the ads that grabbed our attention? What did we really like? Nice, man. You should um you should sell that swipe file, man. I'd, I'd pay money for it. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Cool. I love it, man. That's dope. On the topic of like competitor research, how do you go about doing competitor research? If you're about to enter a space in a certain topic, you know, whatever it is, kind of start a finance business or you know, crypto investing or whatever the niche is. Um, do you do much, much competitor research? What does your process look like? Because like a lot of these funnels are hidden, man. Like, like um, you know, people scaling don't come up on, you, on, on Google sometimes or even ads library if, if you don't know their page. Yeah, we do a lot of research. A lot of that research is around like customer avatars and figuring out what the customers say. So we'll do a lot of research in Facebook groups and online on Reddit, trying to look up book reviews in certain markets to see what people are saying about what they're learning and what they're reading and what they're not and all of that stuff. Finding funnels can be tough, man. Like for sure, a lot of these funnels that are doing insane numbers, you would never find them online unless you're like in a group where you can ask like, hey, does anyone know any funnels about this kind of idea that's really scaling really well? And people start dropping links like, oh yeah, this this one, this one. So I mean, the Facebook ad library can be kind of helpful. So you can kind of dig around and see what's running and, and what people are doing in there. But still, a lot of these people that have funnels that are scaling, like don't really want you to find them. So No, exactly. Um, that's, yeah, you know, it's I know. kind I've of been... like keeping a library of them, you know, yeah, where you do find yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. I've tried a few um, Fiverr jobs trying to get someone to, to scrape stuff but no luck yet so uh, i'll keep everyone posted if i uh and end up making a tool yeah i haven't um, I, for I it. haven't found anything better than just digging you know like there, yeah <laughs> there I, is no I shortcut know. it's just it's that's just it digging that's online. it you gotta find them yeah so so okay quick on going back to ads so so when you run ads to book calls are you optimizing for, for a lead on the opt-in or or a call in the second page sorry i'm, I'm not sure if you answered that you know, the best, the best like framework I've ever found is like optimize for exactly what you want, as long as, you know, Facebook has enough data to give it to you. So usually what that ends up meaning is, excuse me, we'll, um, we'll optimize for leads in the very beginning because we're just not getting any booked calls. So it doesn't know who's booking a call. Um, but as soon as we can switch to book call, like we'll optimize for that, you know, once we have enough data there. And if we could optimize for purchase, we would do that. But a lot of times we don't have enough purchase data to really be able to like optimize for purchase. So a lot of call funnels will end up optimizing for booked call. And then, you know, low ticket funnels mm -hmm. will optimize for purchase. Cool. Yeah. And when it comes to VSLs, man, like I, I, I'm curious how you write VSLs, you know, what are the best VSLs working for you right now? And how do you think about crafting a VSL from scratch? Yeah, I think that's tough. You know, like there's a lot of different ways to do it you know, and there's a lot of different approaches to it. So I would say that kind of the sweet spot that we have found that seems to be working right now is we want it to be like more direct than an educational webinar and not so direct that we don't educate at all. So there's kind of like the, the Cole Gordon model out there that's just like, tell them your offer in four minutes, make a huge promise, guarantee the results, and then get them on the phone. 
I have found that those usually don't work. I mean, not to say everything works. They definitely work because people work them really well, you know, but like then you're, you're really basing it on this like huge guarantee and that doesn't work for everybody, you know? And you get a lot of people who are showing up on the phone who are like not educated. They don't know who you are. They don't know what your offer is. And you're just going to have to hard sell them and like guarantee some kind of insane thing. And I've seen that come to bite people back and like bite them in the ass later where they're like making these huge guarantees that they can't deliver. And that becomes a problem in six months. On the flip side, I have found that when it comes to running ads in a lot of the markets that we're in, where it's more sophisticated, people have seen, you know, like they've seen the educational webinars. They're not new to all this. Doing like a 90 minute educational webinar is also people don't stick. They don't stay to the end. You just need to. And again, that works too. If you're really good at that, that can definitely work. I don't want to say anything's don't work. But we found is like a lot of the videos that work best for us are like, 18 to 22 minutes long. There's an offer in the beginning. It is educating Mm -hmm. them about a a new plan, a new way to do things, like Mm -hmm. a new opportunity. Mm -hmm. And it's making Mm -hmm. them the offer, you know, halfway through Mm -hmm. where we're still talking about the plan, but we're like, hey, we want to sell you on the plan. And if you want a shortcut implementing this plan, we'll Mm -hmm. show you how. Get on the phone with us. Cool. Yeah. How are you positioning the VSL from the ads? Do you mean like, oh, you know, free training or or free video? Or are you just saying... Yeah, we've tested both. A lot of times what seems to work best is we're like, again, we're pitching them on the plan. So it's like, hey, we have a free video that's going to show you all about this new plan. And in that you know, video, here's three bullet points about what you're going to learn. And the fourth bullet point is like, and we'll show you how to shortcut this result so that you, know, like you could get this even faster. So we're not leading with the offer we're leading with like the opportunity and kind of selling them on this new plan. And we're hinting that like there is a, a pitch in the video. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to go a little bit deep in into VSLs, man. So, so from a flow perspective, obviously every niche is different, but if someone wanted at least some direction to, to start writing some, some bullet points for their VSL, usually on these kind of 18 to 20 minute VSL flows, what does like the, the structure of them look like based on the, you know, on the VSLs that are working right now, kind of, you mentioned introduce, you know, the big promise at the start and the product at the start and then the opportunity or whatever, but kind of, do you have some kind of, you know, boundaries for, for people to play in if they're just starting out? I could tell you the one that I put together most recently is, is like, mm. it presents the opportunity and tells them there's a new way to do things. We stack a lot of social proof in the beginning. Here's all the people that we've done this for before. We're going to break this into four parts. And then we walk them through the four parts. And in the four parts, we're like talking about our four, the four parts kind of correspond with like things that we sell in the program. Yeah. So, um, you know, like here's the four parts of how you could implement this new plan. And now like Mm -hmm. once you have this plan, this is the outcome you could get. Now let me show you how you could do this like quicker, better, faster, you know? Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. that's where we pitch them on the call and the offer. Yeah. Okay. And those teaching points that you're taking out of the program, how do you think about which ones to take out? What's the goal of taking them out? Kind of how much do you teach? How much is kind of showing, telling, not giving away too much, et cetera? Yeah, it's it's really kind of like the overall frame. You know, most of these programs have like modules about what's yeah. required. So it's, you know, mm-hmm. what yeah. are those modules, those like big overarching things that they need to get through in order to to be able to complete the program and then breaking those mm-hmm. down into like why do you need this and like what's mm-hmm. the out, what's the high level overview and what about this might be different than what you've seen before, you know, cuz yeah. If something's 
the exact same as they've seen before, they could lose interest. But if it's like, hey, we're going to show you how to get clients mm. and uh, like, this is how we do it that no one else is doing it right now. You know, like Definitely. high level. Of- yeah. I, I think what you said last there was was super interesting as well, where it's like that that education and kind of like demonstration piece on the VSL acts as like a huge differentiator, right? If someone's tr- tried an Amazon store before or, you know, real estate investing, but it didn't work, in that VSL through the education, it's like, oh, you know, most people go off these big expensive properties, but I don't do that. I find properties this way. And then everybody's like, oh, you know, like, like this may actually work this time. Yeah. So I think it like, you know, that differentiation piece is, is, is huge and people can forget that. Now, in terms of building a VSL, if people have this flow, they're like, okay, I got my offer, you know, 3K, 7K option, sick. The VSL flow intro, I'm teaching stuff. I'm adding social proof in a CTA. Um, how are you actually producing these VSLs? Like, are you doing slideshows? Are they kind of HD with editors? How do you recommend people ship these? Whatever works for you, to be honest. Like, I think that's that's fine. We're definitely running slideshows with little dudes in the corner, like a Loom video, and that's working just fine. We have some VSLs that are like more better produced, where we've got someone sitting in front of a camera and it's got all the B-roll and stuff like that. I think the messaging is the most important thing. And then you can kind of like improve and upgrade from there because there's definitely some value in like keeping people, keeping people's attention with like some higher production stuff. But as long as like the messaging is there, whatever works for you. One of the things I like to do is I've done VSLs where we actually just record the audio so that the audio is like really crisp and clean and energetic, like energetic. And then we get a VA to put the slides on after. So that way you really focus on like your delivery of the, of yeah, and yeah, well, you're not messing around with the slides, and it all depends on like where you're starting from too. Because if it was me, I've, you know, I've got a whole camera set up here. So like, if I'm gonna do a VSL, I would just set it up on my camera and do a talking head because that's easy for me. If you're used to doing slideshows because you're an educator and you present and you do all that stuff already, like do you know do that. And if you're just getting started, and you have no idea, and all you have is a script, and you can just record it, and you can focus on doing the recording. It's easy to get a VA to come on and like turn that audio into slides and put that on top of it so that you can just focus on that. So I do think presentation matters a lot with these things for sure. Like if you're just like monotone sounding really bored or you don't really know how to like put some energy into a VSL, it's hard to keep people's attention. So whatever you can do that that helps you focus on like get one, getting it out the door and testing it, but two, making sure that like you feel confident in the delivery of what you've got, then I think that's a good place to do it. Yeah, I find that as well. I'm sure you have where like, you know, you've written a script word for word and then, you know, when the instructor or talent delivers it, it's like off and it's very stale and it sounds scripted and kind of way off yeah. the tone that they have in person. So it's so hard to kind of write for them. And obviously yeah. it, it takes practice and, and training, but delivery is super important. Now, when we're running ads to these funnels, I'm curious, man, if there's anything you want to go into as well, just just kind of jump out anything anything that you're thinking of. But you're running Facebook ads to an opt-in, to a VSL, people are booking the call. What kind of happens after that? Like it seems obvious, but if someone hasn't sold a high ticket course before or, or been through a funnel, what does it look like in terms of you know booking, appointment setting? Is it a two-call close? What does that kind of call flow look like um, if someone was to try and do it their own? For sure. So I think if you're you're on your own and you're trying to manage all of this, you know, assuming you don't have a team and stuff like that, the biggest thing we try to do is get people to consume the VSL. So I think that's one of the most important things for for what we figured out is if somebody 
books a call without having any information about what we're talking about, it's much harder mm-hmm. to actually sell them because yeah. they're just showing up cold to a call. And so oftentimes what we will do is like all of our follow-up in our, we do, we mostly do email. Email is, email is like the holy grail after you, once you get your ads, you know, people up again. Like that's where we do a lot of conversions. We do a little bit of SMS, but email pushes most of it. We're trying to get people to consume the VSL. We've also found like if people don't consume the VSL, we try to just break it up into other pieces of content, like written content, something like that, and send them the same information. So again, we're just getting like, that's our sales message. And our focus is getting Mm -hmm. them to consume that. Um, And then get them to book a call with us. And so once someone actually books a call with us, we have them fill out an application. And then we will reach out to them once they fill out the application to confirm that we've got their appointment, ask them some questions, make sure they're qualified, anything like that. And then usually the call is a one call close, Honestly, most of the people we have don't close on the call. Like, hey, let me get your credit card right now on a close. So we try to create some kind of incentive to get them to sign up quickly. So like some kind of like fast action bonus, right? So that there's an incentive to sign up on the call uh, or within the next seven days. And then if not, mm-hmm. you know, not everybody's... I think one thing a lot of people try to do is like force high ticket sales, which is hard to do because there's a lot of timing that goes into someone making that big of a decision that you just can't control. Yeah. And so... Mm-hmm having the idea that like you're building a pipeline of people that might, I see this all the time where it's like people opt in for our stuff and they close a year later. This is just kind of the reality of high ticket sales, right? So how can we create incentives to get people to move forward now, but leave the door open so that if they're not going to close now, they still want to talk with us later, not by like, you know, super hard selling people and then uh, kicking them out the door, you know? Yeah. Totally. And is that, does email play a big role in that where it's like, you know, you collect their leads and then you just email them, give value for like six months and then, and, and then try and get them on the phone later or, or what does the email sequence look like? Yeah. So the email sequence, typically what we'll end up doing is having the mm. first like 30 to 60 days or an automated sequence. So all of that cool. is, you know, getting them go to go back to the VSL, sharing other important parts of that sales message. I mean, definitely driving people back to the call, trying to get people to consume our other content that we have online because for a lot of these experts, you know, they've been creating a content online for years, right? But like this person just yeah. found them through an ad. They have no idea who this person is. Mm-hmm. So how can mm-hmm. we get them to consume our best content, get them to consume our sales message, get them to understand who we are, what our mission is, how we can help them, all of that stuff. All of that's broken down into a email sequence that goes on for, again, like, you know, one to two months. Mm-hmm. After that, if they still haven't booked a call, then they just end up going on like a newsletter list where we're just sending emails, you know, two to three times a week. And those are the same thing, right? We're just like adding value, sharing stories, sharing student successes, and driving people to book a call when the time is right. Or if we have other products, if we have like lower ticket products, mid ticket products, we can sell those and then send people into the high ticket. So lots of options with email. But I will say like for sure, we had clients, you know, when we originally started doing this where we just ran ads and we kind of, you know, we expected someone else to be doing that part of it. And then once we took the email over, that's where we really had like a lot of leverage because especially with high ticket, like so many of these people will be on your list for months, years before they'll move forward. And email is hands down the best channel to stay in touch with them. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Totally. Okay, cool, man. Well, that was amazing. I, I thought we just got an awesome like snapshot of how these funnels are crushing for you. I, I'm curious, do you have any you know crazy stories about specific funnels or products that you used using these these methods that, you know, blew up, um, had amazing results or, or have amazing results now? Like I'm keen to hear some of those stories if, if you have any. Man, I mean, I think, you know, I've, I've seen 
enough of these oh like change over time that like offers tend to have a life cycle you know that is what i've seen it's mm-hmm. like you know you, you usually can't run the same offer for forever and without having some kind of change or something like that but i think the most we've ever done was like 1.5 million from one of these funnels in about that was probably the biggest one we've ever done with this type of funnel for sure yeah it, it's so beautiful and you know unlike e-commerce a lot of that product's automated. Most of it's automated, you know what I mean? So the the margins on that uh, are good. Yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely with a lot of these programs too, like once you start hiring coaches and all of that mm-hmm. stuff, you know, you're definitely not running on 90% margins. But a lot of times your biggest costs are, you know, like your ad spend and your team and that's it. So I did e-commerce. I sold physical products when I was like 18. And I remember waking up in the morning, packing up stuff into boxes, sending it out, dealing with inventory, all of that stuff. And then once I figured out digital products, I was like, oh, this is cool. You know, like the fulfillment's all online. It's automated. It's Kajabi and Zapier. And um, yeah, I just never looked yeah. back since. And it's changing lives as well. You know what I mean? It's yeah, not, yeah. not a, uh, you know, like a face scrub or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, no, no hate against face scrubs. But yeah, man, you've been, you've been super generous with your time. I'm curious kind of, you know, what the plan is for you over the next, you know, 12 months, Knox 24 months. What's the plan? What are you working on? What are you excited about? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, mostly working on like, we've got a couple of of offers that we're either partnering on or launching, however mm-hmm. it is that we've set up these deals. Cool. So that's really my main focus right now is is mm-hmm. trying to just figure out how we can have a few of these offers that that run really well. Um, in the meantime, like, you know, I think you found me on YouTube, like I have a, a YouTube channel and an email list. So I try to share a lot about what we're doing and give as much value as I can to the other people who are in our space trying to do the same thing. But yeah, my big main focus right now is like, I, you know, I want to hit some seven figure offers when we launch with these experts. Yeah, man. Well, um, when you launch and when they're hitting seven figures, we'll have to do a, have to do a round two. Cheryl. Nice, man. Well, I guess before we jump off, is there any, you know, final piece of wisdom or, or words of advice you'd give people who, you know, want to launch digital products, who want to make income, you know, selling their their knowledge right now? I said this earlier. Most people don't realize like they think the amount of work and the amount of testing that goes into getting these things working. So mm-hmm. if you, you know, create something and you're an expert at something and you're like try to launch something and it doesn't work out the gate, like you are with the rest of us, you know, like we mm-hmm. launch offers all the time that don't go great right out the gate. And so there is a lot of testing. There is a lot of trying to figure out, you know, how do you mm-hmm. take what you have and position it in a way that the market's responsive to it? And ultimately, the market gets to decide like if they want to buy it or not. So definitely stick with it. Like be willing to go through mm-hmm. those, getting punched in the face a few times because that's what it takes. And if there was some advice that I, I wish I had taken sooner that I try to do now is like, while you're going through all of that, build up a brand around yourself or what you have to offer your business, whatever that is, because it takes a long time. But like having a uh, an organic following and an email list is super valuable because it just makes everything easier as far as like testing yeah. ideas, getting cash flow, getting offers in the door. So if you're starting from scratch, you know, like getting started with paid ads is the fastest way to start getting sales, but you don't want to be 100% dependent on, pay- on paid ads at all. So it's a lot of time and work to just like build up an organic following. But if you don't have one, it's really valuable to have that going. Yeah. So um, yeah, that would be it. Like be willing to invest the time and get punched in the face a bunch and you know, you can make it work. Nice, that's it. And then about how hard you hit, it's about how hard you can get punched in the face <laughs> and keep moving forward when it comes to selling uh, yeah, digital products online. Man, I-, I love it. You know, crazy wisdom there, so much experience. 
I got so much from this personally. I know the listeners did as well, man. So I really, really appreciate your time. Appreciate you coming on. Where can people find you? Where's your YouTube channel? Where's your email list? How do people get in touch and, and learn more? For sure. Yeah. So um, if you Google me on uh, Google me or YouTube, Bryce Gump, B-R-I-C-E-G-U-M-P, Bryce Gump, YouTube channel pops up. That's probably like where I put out most of my my content. And then we've got an email list. If you go to majorimpactmedia.com, you can opt into the email list and I'm just sharing what we're doing. And that's really the two big spots. Love it. So that's so it's majorimpactmedia.com uh, just that's in case it. people missed it. Love it, man. Well, Bryce, again, thanks so much for coming on, man. This was awesome. Appreciate your time. Let's do this again. And let's keep in touch, man. Keen to see how some of these funnels are gone. For sure, man. Thanks. Love it. Cool, man. Sweet. And that's the pod.